Hi there, everyone. I'm Fox News' Rup Raj. In the December 28th edition of Let It Rip, we took a look back at 2023 and a look ahead at 2024, how the UAW reshaped the way business is done. Also, politics, not as usual, anything but, with cases in court, secretaries of state across the country chiming in on whether or not Trump should be on the ballot. A lot to get to. And with that, let's let it rip. Tonight on Let It Rip, the ball is about to drop on the new year, 2024 already, proving to be a jam-packed year with presidential politics taking center stage, including late-breaking news of former President Trump potentially being taken off the ballot in Maine. Our Let It Rip panelists have a lot to say about whether Trump or Biden are ready for battle. Plus, a UAW strike paralyzing the big three, setting the stage for a new way of doing business. And a crowded ring of candidates want a shot at Michigan Senator Debbie Stabenow's soon-to-be empty seat. Plus, the big three and the president say the future is all electric, but not all dealers are seeing the surge in customers. What's in store for 2024? Our panel dives in, starting now. Time now to let a rip with Detroit City Councilwoman Mary Waters, former State House Majority Leader Rocky Rajkowski, conservative hey. consultant Jamie Rowe, and live via Skype, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, Fox 2 anchor and attorney Charlie Langton join us as well. We have a lot to get to, including some breaking political news out of Maine, where the Secretary of State there essentially came out and said Donald Trump shouldn't be on the ballot because... He was part of the insurrection. Here we go with another state. First, Colorado Supreme Court. Now we have Maine. I'll start with Congresswoman Debbie Dingell. You were the victim of the latest uh, social media attack from Donald Trump, the man who's in the news tonight. Your thoughts on the Secretary of State in Maine going after the former president saying you shouldn't be on the ballot. Does she have any, uh, does she have any credence to this? You know, I think each state has its own rules, its own laws in the primary system. Uh, we've had states like Michigan that have ruled that it can be on the ballot, other states that haven't. We're in the primary season. It will be a different issue when it comes to who's going to be on the general election ballot. But the exact words that the Secretary of State used is that Mr. Trump was aware of the tinder laid by his multi-month effort to delegitimize the Democratic election and then chose to light a match. Congresswoman Dingell, did he do that? Yes, I think that he did. I am going to, and that's why Donald Trump is always mad at me. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that I think that the election in this country uh, is going to have a lot of issues. There's a lot of distrust in public institutions. And I hope that we have an election where people pay attention, know what's at stake, and that the will of the people is expressed next November. Rocky Rutschkowski, <laughs> when you take a well look... Well said, by the way. The when, will of the people, I like that one. But, well, hold on. But yeah. when you look at the person who's in charge of making sure that the will of the people is honored correctly, the Secretary of States across the country, including Jocelyn Benson, including the Secretary of State in Maine, sure. do you think that she's speaking the truth. Do you think that she has reason to believe that Trump shouldn't be on the ballot? Uh, you know, I agree with Debbie when she said uh, that it should be the will of the people. Let the people decide, not a single secretary of state making a decision that wasn't found out in court, wasn't uh, something that was adjudicated. And most importantly, if you read the actual article that was posted about this secretary of state in Maine, she actually says that this is her ruling, but she's postponing it until the Supreme Court makes a decision which uh, obviously the Supreme Court will make the right decision and will reinstate Trump on all the ballots. Mary Waters, Councilwoman, you've been in politics for many, many years. When you look at this on both sides, do you think our, our, both our political system and the justice system is being weaponized against yeah. politicians who people don't like? Yeah. 
I do, and let me just say, as a former Democratic floor leader, I, I never thought I'd be agreeing with you, Rocky, uh, but, but, but the truth of the matter is, it's about democracy, and, and the people should decide. Listen, we are not going to be any better than Donald Trump if we try and dictate to him mm -hmm. any more than we want him to be a dictator if he should become president. We don't want those kinds of things, so we cannot conduct ourselves that way. Let the people decide. Let democracy, I believe in democracy, 100%. But if you believe in democracy, do you believe in the laws and the law of the land? When you look at the, uh, you know, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, Jamie Rowe, you've read Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Do you see why the Secretary of State in Maine is saying what she's saying? Uh, I think the Secretary of State in Maine has gotten it dreadfully wrong. The fact of the matter is Donald Trump's never even been charged with uh, insurrection. He has never been a part of an insurrection. And that is what that section of the 14th Amendment uh, addresses. So it is absolutely ridiculous. People who constantly preach to us about how they're going to protect democracy, trying to deny the people the right to vote for the candidate of their choice is simply wrong. Colorado and Maine are, are off the deep end of the left, and I'm thankful that, that the Michigan Supreme Court at least got it right. Are you thankful to Jocelyn Benson, too? For, Excuse me? Are you thankful to Jocelyn Benson as well, our Secretary of State, for <laughs> saying what she said, saying that Donald Trump should be on the ballot in Michigan? Sure. Well, she's not thankful thing. that, for you the know, fact that she, she oversaw the You know, that there's due process. Mm -hmm, Everybody right. deserves due process, including right. the former president. Yes. And until that happens, unless he's convicted of something, What's the fuss about? Charlie Langton, does Donald Trump survive well, all of this? I'm talking about all of the court cases that have yet to be adjudicated, the verdicts that have yet to come down. Does he survive this? Yes. And I think, I don't know who's running the Democratic Party, but they're stupid. Whoever would take this case <laughs> yeah. to the courts, we're weaponizing the Democratic process in that's the right. courts. The only one that's going to win is Donald Trump. Maybe and the Democrats right. don't want that. That's right. Congresswoman Dingell, we know for right. a fact, Congresswoman Dingell, that every time Donald Trump is in the news, and especially when he's being attacked, his poll numbers go up. This is helping him, isn't it? Well, first of all, I, I, I want to say, Charlie, I don't know what court case you're talking about. I don't think anybody's above the law. And I think several of the cases pending against Donald Trump are fair and valid. He's got a right to due process. Those court cases have to play out. I think people have a legitimate right to take... But, but I want to ask you this. This is helping Donald Trump, well, isn't I mean, it, Congresswoman Dingell? This is helping Donald Trump. Yeah. Donald Trump loves this, yes? But we've got to get people to... Donald Trump loves it, but we've got to get people to pay attention to what Donald Trump is saying. I think too many people are tuning out. He plays to the worst in people. And I want to make sure that people understand what is at stake in the next election year. And I'm always going to choose civility over cruelty, period. And oh, I but, hope but we don't want judges doing this. We'll and, do the but, same but, thing. But Debbie, the we problem, are normalizing. But the problem in this, the main secretary of state, largely in that opinion of hers, relied on the House and the congressional mm -hmm. 
report, which is largely partisan, voted on party lines. That is never admissible in any court case. And this is not right. Never been charged. Nothing. I think this is a political disaster for the Democrats. And I don't think Trump is the right candidate necessarily. I want to talk about the border. I want to talk about the border right now because this is also big in the news. We have, you know, leadership from Mexico sitting here in the U.S. talking about, hey, look, we have a problem here. We have an issue here admitting that. But we had 7,000 plus people illegally cross the border in just a matter of 24 to 36 hours. This problem is not getting any easier. And the one thing that wasn't talked about between the Mexican president and Joe Biden was fentanyl. That's and right. the number ah. of young people in this city, <laughs> by right. the way, in our region, right. that are being hurt and killed by fentanyl. Mary Waters, is this irresponsible of Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, President Biden, to yes. not even talk about the biggest crisis that we're being dealt with right I, I, now? And it's hurting us right here in the city of Detroit. Them bringing it over from China and, and from Mexico, it is killing people right here Amen. in this city. We've done, the Biden administration actually has done a pretty horrible job when it comes to addressing the border. But I'm gonna tell you one thing that I wanna see happen at that border. I want to see people treated in a humane manner. I don't care who's in charge in the presidency. I want, you know, don't be hurting people as though they are cattle. They deserve to be treated with dignity. And we should do that. Where's the balance between humanity and the rule of law? Congresswoman Dingell, when you look at this problem that we're dealing with right now, yes, you got to treat people humanely. This country was built on that. We know that. We treat our prisoners with humanity. At least we should, and I hope that's the case. But when you take a look at this crisis right now, Vice President Kamala Harris is being called a failure on every level when it comes to this, <laughs> only having visited the border once. Are you disappointed in the vice president with her performance when it comes to this issue? Okay, I'm going to be very blunt. We have needed comprehensive immigration reform for decades. Republican president. But is Democrats the vice president responsible for that as the borders are, Congresswoman? Congress. Congresswoman, is the, res no, the vice president responsible for that? We can't get right? the Republicans in the Congress. Come on. No, oh, yeah, no, come on. I'm going to tell you something. We can't get the Republicans in Congress to even agree to immigration reform. We need what, to do something. Reform? We got to work together. <laughs> it Debbie, is a crisis. Debbie. We got to worry about humanitarian issues and our national security. So, how do Debbie, you do that, Rocky? How do you do that? Wait a minute. First off, what is the problem with enforcing the laws that are on the books? What is the problem? Where is the immigration reform and where is our immigration system broken? We have laws that are not being followed. And that's the problem. We have a president that is not willing to enforce the border and allowing people to come in yeah. and then releasing them to sanctuary Jamie, cities. What, is, what does Donald Trump do if he's elected into office differently than Joe Biden right now? Re, build the wall. Re well, he said he wouldn't. He didn't. Re no, he did. No, he, he did. did not build we the had, wall. We had a secure border when President Trump left office because of the remain in Mexico policy. That is number one. For yeah. people yeah. who were seeking asylum into this country, had to be cleared and approved before they were allowed to enter the country. That's right. President Biden has thrown the door open on day one of his administration, which has allowed countless millions of people to come in, and that fentanyl, which kills 100,000 Americans every year. Reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy, and then maybe you can talk about and we this also, other immigration reform, but we I also want to see a schism stop. in Democratic that, cities that are led by Democratic mayors like Chicago and New York that are basically saying, broke. we did a problem, we may have a problem with the sanctuary city right. concept. You know, I gotta, listen, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm not going to blame the Biden administration for this entire thing. Let me tell you, this border has been an issue for 
over many, many but years. But it's gotten worse nobody under the Biden has administration, got, has it not? Nobody has gotten it right, and why not? It's the worst. Why can't okay. people let's get take, it right? Let's take a sharp turn and talk about the UAW for a moment. Yeah. We only have a minute and a half left here. I want to talk right to you, mm -hmm. Councilwoman. The UAW, Sean Fain, people thought he was nuts for asking for the things he did the way he did, holding essentially the big three by the throats. And he won, didn't he? He won, and you know what? Strikes work. <laughs> they do what? <laughs> they work every single time. And let me tell you, it doesn't just benefit those who are members of the union, it also benefits non-unions. Every time the union workers get an increase, so will the non-unions. I know firsthand because I'm an organizer, UAW organizer for Local 2500, Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Jamie, I know that many people on the conservative end of this are saying, wait a minute here, you're asking for too much money, you're asking for too much. At the end of the day, this not only worked for the big three when it comes to Sean Fain, now there's non-unionized plants down south that are saying, our turn, he has set the course of history into a whole new path, hasn't he? Without question, I think that, that collective bargaining is, is right if the workers want to utilize it, it is their right to do so, and they did it in this case, but what's gonna kill them long-term? EVs. Uh, the EV mandates EVs. that this administration is putting I'm gonna give the last word to Congresswoman Dingell. We only have about jobs. 20 seconds left here. Are we going too fast with the EVs? We gotta pump the brakes on this, yes? We don't have to pump the brakes. Global climate is real. What we've got to do is make sure that the infrastructure and what's needed to help make EVs succeed mm -hmm. is there. And I'm committed to cleaning up our environment and making sure we have a future. Congresswoman Dingell. We've we, got a plan for our next generation. We thank you mm -hmm. for your time here today and all year long here on Let It Rip. We thank you, Rocky, happy Mary, year. Jamie. Happy thank year. you all of you yeah. for joining no, us. Happy New, New year, year, everybody. <laughs> happy New Year. Yes, yes, happy New Year. Year. Yes. And go Lions. <laughs> go Lions. Happy blue. New Year, everybody. And thank you, Sherry Gay Dagnogo. That's Go blue, Corey and Debbie, if you heard her there. We want to talk about redistricting. It is a big story, the one that keeps the conversation going. On the other side of the break, we're going to be talking about this particular person's seat that so many people are after right now. Yes, Senator Debbie Stabenow is retiring. Who should take that seat? We're going to take a look at that side of the debate when we come back. Back now, we'll let it rip, continuing our review of 2023 and really a look ahead at 2024. Joining the panel, Republican strategist Jason Cable Rowe, Washington County Prosecutor Ali Sabat, and Michigan Capital Confidential Managing Editor James David Dixon, Detroit City Councilwoman Mary Waters, back with us, as is Fox 2 anchor and attorney Charlie Langton. We're going to begin with today's big news, as we did in the last segment, and ask the prosecutor at the table about the Secretary of State Bellows out in Maine, who essentially said uh, that it was all of the speech that Trump had had uh, prior to the day of the insurrection, and then finally, in her words, choosing to light the match, that she believes that he violated the 14th Amendment. Mm -hmm. um, do you believe that that could be true? Can it be interpreted that way? Well, I think, look, uh, this case is obviously going to go up to the U.S. Supreme Court. I think there's no question about that. They're going to have the final say, uh, likely from the Colorado decision. Um, but, you know, I just do want to emphasize that people like the Secretary of State, people like the judges on the Colorado Supreme Court were faced with an argument that Donald Trump is disqualified from the ballot. And I have great sympathy for the notion that we should let the people decide. However, 
the Constitution prohibits certain categories of people from running for president. I can't vote for Olivia Rodrigo for president because she is under 35. I cannot vote for Barack Obama for a third term as president, even though I'd love to, uh, because he is constitutionally barred from serving more than two terms. So the U.S. Supreme Court is ultimately going to determine whether Donald Trump engaged in insurrection. I do think that what he did was unprecedented, really in American history. But I I, want to just pump the brakes a little bit on going after public servants like the main secretary of state and like the Colorado Supreme Court because they were faced with an argument and, you know, the Constitution says what it said and they had to make a determination well, one way or the one other. One of the arguments that they were faced with is fascinating and there was one that she didn't go with, Secretary of State Bellows, but she said one of the considerations that was put in front of them was that someone actually argued in Maine that Donald Trump said that he won the election in 2020, yeah. so therefore he can't be voted in for a Right. Another term. Yeah. Uh, James David Dixon, when you look what? at this case yeah. in Maine, um, is there any, any truth to it, any credence? Do you see why someone would decide what she decided? We have a Secretary of State interpreting the U.S. Constitution. That should strike everybody as far beyond what we elected her to do, far beyond her role, perhaps something she's not even qualified to do. Everyone knows, and she even you know, said in her statement, that this will be decided by the U.S. Supreme Court. But for a Secretary of State to interpret the U.S. Constitution, you, you tell me someone doesn't have their ballot paperwork, yeah, you can keep them off the ballot for that. But to, to, to actually have a finding that someone engaged in insurrection, no one ever elected so, a Secretary of State so to make Secretary that choice. So the Secretary of State here in Michigan, Jocelyn Benson, came out with a decision that she made after interpreting the Constitution and essentially said Donald Trump should run. Not her place to say that either. It's not her place to say it, but I think it's not as harmful because it's the default setting. Of course he should be able to run. So I'm not going to find that too objectionable. Uh, she shouldn't have been asked. And honestly, the Secretary of State probably shouldn't be answering this question. Jason Cable Rowe, uh, we have a Supreme Court out in Colorado that essentially came out and said, hey, we took a look at this for three days and we decided as this body in the court that we voted to say that he should be taken off the ballot. Do you think they have any credence to what they said? Well, I think the common denominator in the two states that have done this is they are deep blue states that are irrelevant to the outcome of the presidential election. And so I think there's a reason that they did it, because this was driven by ideology and partisanship, not by rule of law. Um, I think one of the things that frustrates people about uh, Donald Trump is that he normalizes bad behavior. And, you know, we've now gotten to a place where everyone is committing bad behavior because it has now become the tool that everybody uses and no one seems to care. No matter how outrageous your behavior, the activities that you do, <clears throat> it blows over in a day and no one cares. I think this is lawfare. I think this is a distraction. And as you talked about in the other segment, it is once again something that the left of center institutions, politicians, media, um, have once again helped Trump. While they claim to be trying to stop him from becoming president, all they have done since Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, indicted Trump earlier this year is do everything they can to help him. Uh, so, Charlie, you and, you and I, we covered the rallies in 2016, I mean, leading up to the 2016 election in 2015, traveled the country to watch these rallies. And I remember as much as Donald Trump would point his finger at the media and scream fake news, every time he did that, his poll numbers went up. The media is playing a huge part in this, but I want to shift for a moment and talk about Joe Biden and Donald Trump. The fitness to run for office. When you look at Joe Biden, do you think he is fit to run for office? And do you think Donald Trump is fit to run for I, office? You know what? I think they are. Yeah, I think they are. And I think you evaluate. I don't want to say someone's disqualified because they're because of their age or because of anything. Yeah, let them run. And I 
think that uh, Joe Biden is a smart guy. Listen, you can't get to the level of president and being and be not and not be a smart person. Um, you know, I think it's for the public to. It's not me to judge. I think it's for the public to judge. I think that will be a factor in the election, and uh, I think that the public should have weigh in on everything. We give uh, we give medical examinations to our presidential candidates. We do want them to be fit. That is an issue. And if one of them is not fit. Either one, they 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 should take themselves. James out of David it. Dixon. There are many people on the Democratic end who are saying things like, "This is unfair. You're targeting Joe Biden, watching his every word." Donald Trump is equally old and not exactly the same age, but within four or five years. Are these two? men ready to do this very stressful job in the next four years? If I could make a comparison, this would be like a secretary of state saying uh, Joe Biden is disqualified under the 25th Amendment. We don't think that he's able to do <laughs> well the job. Played. No one would ever you know, say that a secretary of state mm -hmm. is empowered to make such choices. The people should make those choices. Uh, so whenever you have politicians trying to, to get in the way of the people voting, we should be suspicious. But I want to ask you about what you what your prediction is as we move forward here, because many people who say that they're voting for one person, they that's their business. They go vote for who they want the day of the election. We know there were many people who said they would never vote for Trump, and they voted for Trump. Have things changed drastically, you think, in the last four years since the last election? What I would advise Republicans to be aware of is this. Uh, as much distrust as, as many people have in the criminal justice system, Republicans will not elect someone who is a convicted felon if that were to happen. That's just not something that is so far outside the Overton window of what's even possible. Uh, if there were an actual conviction, it would be a very bad year in 2024. I'm not so sure if they wouldn't elect Donald Trump, even if he was convicted. <laughs> I'm not so sure. But I can tell you this, though. That man has gotten more free media than anybody I've ever seen. I mean, since the very first day that he walked down the steps to say that he was going to run for president, just free media. He hasn't let, even had to let, purchase Let's anything. talk about redistricting for a moment. We're in yeah. the midst of chaos with the redistricting commission mm -hmm. that basically broke up their meeting uh, that was done on Zoom and said, you know, look, we can't come to a decision as to whether or not to try to appeal the decision that said that this redistricting, these 13 maps have to be redrawn. Are you worried about what can happen here? Well, forward? I'm worried about it. I mean, if, if they don't want to serve, then toss them out and put some new people in. Or you go to this, this other person that, that Sherry Gate that now we're going to talk about, and that is a master to oversee everything. Somebody has got to do it because you know what? We, black people in the city of Detroit, we, we have been, we have not had any representation there uh, in Lansing. And too often, I know how things work as a former floor leader in Lansing. When you are there, if you are not there fighting for your city, there's nobody else to stand up. I wanted to make sure that I had the opportunity to talk mm -hmm. to you about that, but we only have two minutes left. Mm -hmm. I want to get to this congressional mm -hmm. seat here uh, with um, with Debbie Sabinow. Uh, what happens here moving forward? Uh, Debbie Sabinow, the seat's vacated. You got Slotkin, you got Rogers, you got a lot of other people. Uh, how important, first of all, would you say, Jason, is this seat, and who do you see edging someone else out? Well, I, I think if I were going to put money on two candidates, it'll be Alyssa Slotkin and Mike Rogers that come through. I think they're the most experienced, competent, campaigners that are in their respective primaries. I think their primary opponents are probably going to drag them to the right and to the left in places that Lissa Slotkin's never had a primary before. She's never had to say some of these progressive things that might be required of her going through a primary for the first time in her career. But, you know, it only takes two seats for Republicans to get the majority. 
Uh, West Virginia, you might as well put that in the Republican column with Manchin stepping down. So there's five competitive seats left in the country, and I would put Michigan as fourth on that list. So national Republicans don't need this seat, per se, but it would be if in a wave year, if things were going well in Michigan, which they very well are, they're certainly going to be better than 22. Yeah. Uh, Mike Rogers could have a real shot at this, and this could be a flip. Charlie, you and I have had a chance to talk to Mike Rogers quite a bit. Your thoughts on what could happen here moving forward? Well, I, think, I agree. That I think it's going to be Rogers and Slotkin. I think you need a lot of money and a lot of name recognition, and I think they're going to have to build their name recognition. I do think it matters, though, uh, and how strong Biden and Trump is going to be. I think there'll be a lot of coattails. So if you're going to vote for Biden, you vote for Slotkin and Trump, and, and let's see how, how strong Donald Trump is, and then you vote for Rogers. Ali, we only have about 30 seconds left. I want to know what your take is on, on a potential slot in Rogers. Uh, you know, I, I agree that so much of it is going to come down to the presidential and enthusiasm for either the Democratic or Republican ticket. I think that in Michigan, uh, Democrats have gotten stuff done. We can see the results of having a Democratic trifecta, and I think that will help Democrats ultimately secure the seat. We're going to have a chance to get final thoughts here. We're going to begin with James David Dixon mm -hmm. on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Mm -hmm. One of the guests was asking if this is a new format. No, we're not hitting nine topics in every show. It just <laughs> happens to be the end of the year show. James David Dixon, mm -hmm. redistricting. Uh, crystal ball, what happens moving forward? I think everyone needs to know that Michigan has a racially gerrymandered mm -hmm. legislature right now. It was the Democrats who benefited from it and the Republicans who stopped it. And it's not going to happen like that going mm -hmm. forward. Ellie? Well, it's anybody's guess as to what happens next. It seems like the commission is going through some turmoil and is unable to appeal at this point. My fervent hope is that whatever districts are drawn, they need to be drawn in a racially equitable fashion, that it can happen sooner rather than later so we can vote on the appropriate We candidates. didn't hear from Jason on this topic, so please go ahead. You have 15 seconds. Well, remember, it was the legislature that was drawing these lines, and progressive interest groups funded a change to create this new commission that would make everything smooth. The first thing they did was disenfranchise black voters into Detroit at the state senate and the congressional level. That's why the maps uh, are getting tossed out. So this independent commission didn't fix anything. It actually broke a system that wasn't broken. Way too the systemic Way too racism drew those lines. And, 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 and it, because of that, the Democrats, and, and, and it breaks my heart because, it, because the Democrats have forgotten about their most loyal group, And the group, the group that deserves to have a chance to that's vote right. like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that's what this country was built. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us. Look, and it could be Peter Meyer. The lines can bring us together. We say this about the lines, whether you're red or you're blue. We're all Honolulu blue when it comes to the lines. Go Lions in 2024. That does it for this edition of Let It Rip. <laughs> the Let It Rip discussion continues online. Sound off on Facebook, X, formerly Twitter, or Fox2Detroit.com.